Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I'm looking out my window in my studio, and I'm not pleased. I see white stuff all over the place. Um, You know, I don't know about you. I'm glad to see the water come. We need this water so bad. We're even getting a lot more water down the Colorado River than we used to. And uh, hopefully that'll help Lake Paul and Lake Mead and those people downstream. But I'm ready for some warmer weather, some more comfortable being outdoor weather. You know, I don't guide, and I haven't fished tournaments or filmed television shows for quite a while. And so I try to go out when it's nice out. I go out fishing to enjoy it and, of course, to do research for the show and to talk to you folks about it. But it hasn't been a pleasant spring for that except for a few days. So I'm not sure. uh, I'm just not sure how to feel about it. I know we need the water. You know, one of the things, I used to keep a fishing log. And with that log, I used to uh, write down the weather, the temperature, what the fish were doing, type of lures I used, water temperature conditions. And then different times of the year, I would target different fish behavior. But the last two, three years especially, springtime in Colorado has been so kind of weird that it's been difficult to pattern it. You almost have to go out look at the current conditions, reflect on what happened, because you always have to do some homework and get ready to go on a trip, understand what the bait fish are doing. So anyway, let's get started. We have a lot of fishing to talk about today. We're going to talk about some fishing events. Uh, We're going to talk uh, pretty much fishing most of the day, except for a couple of things that may be a little hunting. And uh, hopefully Austin Parr is with us. Austin, are are you with us? I'm here, Terry. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? So good. So, what do you think about that opening? Oh, you know, I I uh, was experiencing that same thing um, over the last couple of days, doing some turkey hunting as well. Um, obviously, we're uh, having to just fight through it. Uh, same kind of thing goes with the fishing, where you know, if you want to get out there, there's still very good opportunities to be had, and and uh, the bite is really pretty darn good, especially with the trout. It does the this, these kind of fronts a lot of times in the springtime don't affect it quite as much, but um, but there's good fishing to be had, and at least we're getting some good moisture. Yeah, we really are. It just hasn't been as much fun, you know. I I would I've agree. Seen, I've seen pictures of guides with heaters in their boat, and I thought, you know. It was a time when no matter what the temperature was, I out there, but I was out there. But now that I'm an older guy, I rely on you guys to check that out and let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the case. And and as you mentioned, uh, you know, with these cold temperatures, things aren't exactly like they should be at this time of year. So it's time to just adapt. That's right. So what are you seeing out there? So front range stuff. Chatfield really has been the best bite as of late. Um, the fish have been not quite into a summertime pattern, but on post-spawn right now, there are a lot of fish that are up on structure, and we're catching them on jigs and minnows. Um, usually the minnow bite isn't incredibly good this time of year, but they have been loving fatheads on stand-up jigs. I've been using knuckleballs as well as fireball jigs from Northland, pitching them up really shallow. The fish have been sitting so flat to the bottom, though, that they're a little bit challenging to see. So if you're just seeing just some little kind of ridges that are sitting right on the bottom with a little bit of a, a color change, 
that pretty much is going to be the fish that we're marking. So we're catching those up really shallow on those jigs as well as on uh, some swim baits as well. So a little Kitex and walleye assassins have been productive uh, for those walleyes. And then a few bass have been along some of the edges of the breaks as well as still along the rocks. So Chatfield has been fishing well, a little bit better than Cherry Creek has. However, Cherry Creek still is starting to pick up a bit. Uh, that lead core bite is kind of finally starting to materialize out there. Um, it has not been fantastic still yet, but it also hasn't been taking a lot of pressure, and the fish are really healthy out there. So if you can get some of those fish to go on some Salmo Hornets or some Flicker Shads, work just, just above the bottom out in that main basin, there's still a chance for that to, to go before this summertime and early spring uh, kind of bite goes here. Hey, let's let's talk a minute about the difference between those two lakes. We talked about spring and water being colder and everything. Well, both lakes are probably colder than they normally would be this time of the year. But some of the other differences, Cherry Creek is still flush with bait. We know there's a ton of shad there where uh, Chatfield isn't and probably won't be unless we get a really good shad hatch later this spring. And then Chatfield, I understand, is filling quite a bit where Cherry Creek isn't so much. Are those the factors driving the Chatfield fish shallow? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really the deal when it comes to those fish being shallow right now. I think the number one thing really is that there's just not a lot of forage at the moment. Um, even with the lake being a little bit higher a couple of years back, there were still more shad than there are now. And they were more in kind of a true post-spawn bite where they were kind of suspended and out off some of the breaks where we were catching them more trolling. But those fish are not suspended that, that much out there. There's some. Um, but the majority of those fish, I think, are just up there shallow hunting food. And with the water level rising, fish a lot of times follow it as well. So that is definitely a factor, I think, that's, that's changing that. And, and with the, the, you know, it being dam controlled up above, it's very regulated as far as the, the, you know, the rising and the falling of the lake, whereas Cherry Creek does not have the consistent flow coming in, and we just haven't been able to overcome the fact that we lost a lot of water last fall, and with it just kind of being a lot of runoff type stuff coming in from the front range rather than the mountains, we're hoping for some big spring storms that are maybe some big heavy rains to get that creek primed and get some flow coming in. Yeah, and I think it's a classic example of you can't say, hey, it's 50 degrees today, we're August 20, whatever we are, 20-something, 20 22nd, and uh, this is what the fish should be doing. That's a classic example of how two lakes not that far apart are fishing totally different. Yeah, with the same fish generally, obviously Cherry Creek is lacking smallmouth, but the same walleyes in, in lakes that are just a few miles apart, as you mentioned, it is entirely different on those two. All right, what else are you hearing around? How about uh, the trout bite up and down the front range? I think like you mentioned it earlier, but they're not as affected by these t springtime temperature swings. In fact, they, they love the cold, the cold water up by shore. I would think both shore fishing and from a boat, the trout are probably doing pretty well. It's a good time to hit that right now. Uh, places with big holdover trout, like, Cherry, or, um, like uh, Aurora, excuse me, have been doing well. Folks have been catching good numbers on the shoreline. Um, and uh, I've been hearing guys doing good on, on various techniques. Uh, there's been some fish shallow. Fly fishermen have been catching them on woolly buggers um, with a trailing soft tackle nymph. 
just doing a short strip near the shoreline. There's been quite a few fish that have been been cruising the shoreline, so that's been worthwhile. Um, and then uh, guys on conventional gear also have been uh, being pretty productive. Uh, cast masters as well as Tasmanian devil spoons, cast and retrieved at a mid pace are a good choice. And then some bait lines, per usual, can be worthwhile out there. The same thing goes for a lot of these other stocked lakes. A lot of the smaller lakes up and down the front range have been uh, getting trout stocked in them already. And uh, those guys don't, usually don't have the holdovers like you have in some of those deeper bodies of water like Chatfield or Aurora. But you'll be able to get good numbers, and it's a good time to get some kids on some fish as well. It really is. It's just a great time to go pull up the stocking report. Now, whenever they put out a fishing report, Karen puts it on our social media, and you can pick that up at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. It's been kind of erratic the last couple of years. We're hoping they'll get more regular with it. But if you can't wait for that, just go to the Parks and Wildlife website and Google trout stocking. It'll come up, the stocking report. And you can see when these freshly stocked lakes are. And when they first put them in, they hang around usually somewhere near the boat ramp areas where they're put in. And they're not the smartest fish in the world, so if you just want to go catch some fish, you really can have fun, can't you? It's a good opportunity for that. And then a lot of these lakes as well are stocked uh, pretty heavily with largemouth bass and kind of the fry form, so they'll get naturally reproducing populations as well as panfish. Both of those uh, types of fish species are going to be a little bit slower right now, but a lot of these little local lakes have really high-quality largemouth and working some reactionary presentations like the lipless crank or some of my favorites working a jerkbait really slow along the shoreline edges. The jerkbait that suspends can catch some really nice bass. So you can go and catch some trout for a while, but then focus on some of those largemouth and sometimes get yourself into a really nice fish. Oh, I've caught a ton. I do a lot of, a lot of times I just don't want to take the boat out and I just go pond hopping. There's certain ponds, and you learn ponds in your area. They're all up and down the front range. You don't even know need to know the particular pond. Just go hit the one, study the ones by you, and go hit them. And there's going to be stuff within a close drive to your house, and find a half a dozen and fish them until you figure them out. And a lot of my biggest bass in Colorado, I catch big, I mean, four-pound-plus bass every year in those ponds. And my biggest bass in Colorado, which is almost eight pounds, came out of a pond. The smaller lakes are prolific. They have that heavier or the higher water temperature that those largemouth like so much, and uh, it really can produce some large fish. But the, the fact that they're smaller and they're warmer in the summertime is the reason that those trout don't hold over. And not every pond gets stocked with trout. So if you're looking to get kind of a, a double species uh, type lake, you're really going to have to make sure to research on what lake you're going to to see if it's stocked with trout. But most of them have bass. What about um, mountain lakes? What are you hearing? Are some of them uh, some of them getting fishable? Is the ice coming off? Are we seeing open water? Definitely is. The South Park is pretty much all open at, at the moment. Spinny now is open. Um, haven't heard any reports up there as of yet. Just got back from turkey hunting late last night. So um, we'll hear some more of that coming up early this week. But the thing that I like to do when Spinny first opens, certainly it's a good opportunity to catch some unpressured fish, but it does tend to get very crowded even on a snowy day like this so i'll slip over and fish 11 mile or antero and you're having the same type of ice out conditions and even though they had pressure on the ice fishing type deal they haven't been fished really in in a couple of weeks that heavily with some of that ice just slowly peeling off so you'll get good opportunities to catch them i love fly fishing this time of year if you can get 
in the inlet stretches. Granted, the Dream Stream will be pretty busy, but up above Antero can be really productive with egg flies and small San Juan worms. And you can get these same fish cruising along the shorelines as well. So I'll fish under an indicator with those same eggs. Usually I'll adjust my egg fly to something like an otter soft egg, which is actually a soft plastic egg with a milking veil tied into it. And they're heavy enough that you can a lot of times fish them with very minimal weight. And under an indicator, that's extremely natural along those shorelines. So you have a bit of a breeze or actually some wind. You can cast out there and let those eggs sink down without much weight. They sit really nicely in the water column, just really shallow. And you can catch a lot of good fish with those. But stripping streamers also can be productive. Um, Something like a black leech or a black bugger is really worthwhile. Um, And then I will still trail that with a soft tackle pheasant tail or a guide's choice hare's ear, which is just simply a a soft tackle hare's ear. And stripping those where those fish are up shallow and feeding and spawning, really, you can catch a lot of good ones. And, of course, you can catch them on conventional gear, too. And, by the way, when we say spinny is open, spinny is open for um, uh, it's not open for boating, but it's open for shore fishing. Should clarify that. We don't want. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to say anybody. Fifty percent capacity, so it's definitely down at the moment. Right. What about any rivers? You're hearing it. I mean, are you starting to hear the rivers are blowing out? I have been. Yeah. So this this last week there was definitely some pretty high flow. The lower Colorado was pretty blown. There were still some guys having a bit clearer conditions up on the upper Eagle, but that would a lot of times deteriorate as the day progressed. So you'll get an early morning window and then have that later in the daytime where some of those smaller feeder creeks really start kicking in that off color water. And you can still catch a lot of good fish in that. I mean, people a lot of times get, get turned off with it, but I don't mind it a whole lot, but that's when I'll break out that conventional gear, bigger jerk baits and especially dark colored things like marabou jigs. Uh, really can work well. And you're not a lot of times going to catch an absolute ton of fish, but the one thing that works is that you'll get away from people. Uh, people shy away from it, and, and you can catch fish still on those free stones. But we still have a lot of tailwaters in the state too, so there's really good opportunities to go and get below one of those and have some regulation with the flow. Waterton Canyon uh, has been fishing well. I've heard great reports from the frying pan on the other side of the state. Um, so those will be good. The Blue River most certainly but the other thing I like to go with early in this time of year um, is to get up really high in the Arkansas. Uh, I find that the upper Arkansas doesn't quite blow out quite as much as early with the higher elevation up there. So you'll have a bit more of a window to be able to catch some of those browns. Now, I have one last thing I want to bring up with you. We're going to steal a minute or two here because I understand you were turkey hunting and you got a turkey. But I also understand this was a special hunt that... Uh, your dad had helped you in the outdoors a lot when you were young, and you uh, you took him on his first turkey hunt. Is that right? I sure did. That must yeah, have been was, a wonderful uh, experience. A really cool deal. I mean, he's never done it. He's super seasoned in the outdoors and, and gets out a lot. But um, to be able to take him out and, and put some birds in front of him was a really cool deal. Um, we had really uh, pretty rough conditions for turkey hunting. I mean, we were in snow, rain, heavy wind the entire time and we're still able to make it happen and i think that's really a lesson where just because the conditions aren't ideal does not mean that we're not able to kill birds um, or catch fish for that matter so it's just a matter of getting out there putting yourself in the right location and and trying your best and i mean we had birds come in and then the cold and the rain um and it was uh you know a really worthwhile experience i'm sure it created uh, some tremendous tremendous memories couldn't beat it. I mean, it's something that uh, hopefully we can turn into a tradition for many more years to come. 
I got to go, but I would think the mountain turkeys are still going to be better later in the season here because this weather's got to be keeping them from moving up the mountain. Definitely. They're going to be on lower elevation, maybe off of public, but we let this get warmed up. They'll get up to those higher elevation areas and you can get some birds. But I did kill a nice bird in a lot of snow a couple years ago, so it still can be done. All right, my friend. Thank you. Where can people find you? We're at Discount Fishing Tackle, six blocks south of Evans on the south side of Santa Fe, on the west side of Santa Fe. All right. We'll, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Austin. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Austin Parr, always a great resource. We're going to take a time out. We're going to talk about some of the events that are coming up to get kids and everybody out fishing and out having a good time and using the outdoors in Colorado. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear locations up and down the front range. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Travis Sauter, as an aerial wildlife manager in the Colorado Springs area. Good morning, Travis. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Um, I do want to mention, just in case there's any other CPW staff listening, I'm, I'm the assistant area wildlife manager. So, uh, okay. Well, I, all yet, I can do, all I can do is go by the title they send me. So we promoted you. I would ask them for a raise. Okay. Absolutely, <laughs> I like that plan. <laughs> hey. Um, Sorry you were on hold a little bit, but I wanted to touch with Austin on his taking his dad turkey hunting for the first time after his dad had introduced him to so many things in the outdoors. And I think it was just a great segue into what we're going to talk about with the event going on. But, you know, you get people involved in the outdoors and it really can come full circle, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And, you know, I, I got to hear a little bit of the end of that story. And uh, I tell you, as a wildlife officer, it's one of the best parts of the job is getting to introduce people to the outdoors, getting them those first experiences and then, and then kind of seeing their eyes light up and then hearing those stories as they run with it and, and have fun doing it themselves. Well, you know, studies have shown that if people don't get involved in fishing and hunting and activities like that when they're young, not a lot of them take them up when they get older. And in today's world, with we have single parent families, we have people who are struggling economically. We have a diverse activities that kids can take part in, in sports and video games and all those type of things. Sometimes a lot of them don't get a chance to get exposed to the outdoors. And once they do, it can change their life. And this time of the year, as we get into now to about the middle of June, a lot of events are going to go on to get kids or adults too. There's going to be a lot of events to get people outdoors and you're having a really neat one down in Colorado Springs. Tell us about it. Yeah, and so this is an annual event that we call Get Outdoors Day, and I believe it was started back in 2016, and we've, we've had it every year, uh, minus a couple years there with the COVID and all that, but uh, this is kind of our second year getting back into it. Um, but, yeah, it's Get Outdoors Day. We host it in Colorado Springs at Memorial Park right there next to Prospect Lake. And um, it's just a huge outreach event. I believe it's the biggest one that CPW puts on statewide. We generally average anywhere from 3,000 on up to 5,000 participants. And it's just a a really cool event, kind of a a first way to get people engaged in the outdoors and and all that community and everything. So it starts, it's it's on the 3rd of June 
So people mark your calendars for 3rd of June, and that uh, also coincides with free fishing weekend so that people can be out and, and fish and do some things without needing a license that day. But there's going to be a lot more. But tell us about the fishing part first, and we'll talk about some of the other activities. You have, um, you're going to, you get some pretty good gifts for kids, I understand. Yeah, exactly. And that's why um, we kind of always have it coincide. So that first full weekend in June is, is mandated in state law to be the free fishing weekend. And so we, we think it's a perfect time to pair this event. Um, so this year it falls on June 3rd. We're going to start at 9 a.m. And kind of the big draw, you know, I think uh, the thing that people are most excited about is we're going to hand out 800 fishing poles uh, to the first 800 kids that, that are there. Um, of course, you got to be present to win and, and to receive that fishing pole. But then we're going to stock the lake a day or two before. And so not only will the kids get a fishing pole, but then they'll be able to jump right over to the lake and then give it a go and, and give it a try right there on the spot. i tell you what, watching a youngster catch that first fish is just so rewarding. And you know what? If they get bored and they're not catching fish and they want to go run around, let them do that. Make it a fun experience. But, boy, once they hook a couple, they get hooked themselves. We used to, uh, we, you know, there's a big saying in the industry, get hooked on fishing, not drugs, you know, or, or we'd say buy them a tackle box, not an Xbox, because there's such a value system and such a life-changing and memory-creating experiences when you get kids outside. But it sounds like there's going to be plenty for other people to do. Tell us about some of the other stuff. You've got uh, all, all kinds of vendors and other activities. Yeah, so on top of, you know, the fishing, which like I said, I think is kind of one of the big draws, but we've got a bunch of vendors that come down and participate. And the best part about this event is it's completely free of charge. So these vendors are volunteering their time and their equipment, but they're, they're all sorts of different, uh, you know, parts of that outdoor community, anything from girls and boy scouts to kids on bikes to different outdoor organizations like the Leave No Trace folks and the Forest Service. And each of these vendors are, are of course, going to have information about their association or their program, but they're also going to have some activities um, from, you know, actually hands-on stuff. So riding bikes, uh, paddle boards, canoes, um, uh, fly fishing and, and demonstrations on all this kind of stuff. And then with that, a lot of these organizations have also donated some really cool prizes that by participating, you're automatically entered. And we have a basically a passport that you go around and get stamps for, for engaging with these vendors. And then you turn that in, and now you're eligible for the, some of these really cool prizes, too. So not only can you learn about all these different activities, and not only can you get to try them and, and hands-on, but you have a chance to win some equipment that would then help you do them later on. I also understand you're going to have archery and 22 shooting. Yeah, and so we set up our, our own archery range down there so that, you know, you can give that a try uh, and then a 22 range as well. The biggest thing, I think, with the outdoors is if you don't have a chance to try it first, it can seem like a, a really big investment, right, to, to get into something like archery or 22. And so this is that perfect opportunity to kind of get some hands-on to you know, actually stand there with a bow and, and get some good instruction because we've got a lot of really great instructors on how to uh, do archery and all that kind of stuff and so that you can kind of feel a little more comfortable before you go out and just try to do that yourself or try to make that investment. So, yeah, things like that. We're also going to have a pretty extensive touch-a-truck area. 
So especially even for like the younger kids, you know, I think that's always a great draw for them. We'll have different emergency vehicles from fire trucks to wildlife officer trucks. We're going to have a park ranger boat that they use for patrol and rescue and things like that. We should have one of our fish hatchery trucks there that, you know, that they use to bring the fish that we stock into all of our lakes and rivers. Um, so a lot of educational opportunities, too, for, for everybody. Now, this is uh, June 3rd, so people mark your calendars. It's going to start at 9 a.m. Uh, Travis, is there information on Parks and Wildlife website, a place they could go, or do they have to pre-register? Yeah, so there's no need to pre-register. Um, I don't think we have a whole lot on our website yet, but we're, of course, working on all that media and information that should be coming out shortly. And then I, I'd also like to mention kind of our our cohorts as we plan this, because this is such a big event that we just can't put it on ourselves. Um, so PPORA, which is the Pikes Peak Outdoor Recreational Alliance, they're a huge partner with us in that. And then the city of Colorado Springs as well. Obviously, we're the Prospect Lake is their property, and they help us with all sorts of logistics and all that stuff. So if you're engaging with any of these other partners too, they're going to have a bunch of information and, and all that stuff. All right. Last thing, I'm going to ask you a quick question since you're down in the Colorado Springs area. I was talking earlier to Austin about turkey hunting. And real quick, are the turkeys still down low? Have you seen them starting to move up or is there too much snow yet? Well, you know, if you would have asked me yesterday, it probably would have been a different answer. Um, but, yeah, I live up in the, the Divide area, and I had turkeys that were uh, really active and hanging out, you know, probably around 9,000 feet. Uh, but now this morning we're looking out at, you know, three or four inches of pretty wet, heavy snow. So it's going to kind of shift them around and uh, change where they're, where they're active with this fresh snow that we got. All right, we are out of time, Travis, but a great event. Uh, make sure we keep reminding people of it, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Terry. You bet. Travis Sauter. Right. Great event. Mark your calendars, June 3rd. We'll try to remind you about it. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to switch uh, topics here, and we're going to talk about long-range shooting. That's something that's pretty interesting if you've never tried it. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 103.43 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Trigger Time Gun Club is Nate Freeman. Good morning, Nate. Well, hi, Terry. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. And I think we're going to talk about long-range precision shooting and precision rifles, which is something you guys really specialize in. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about Trigger Time Gun Club. That's where Karen and I do our practicing. We're members there. Um, describe the facility. Sure. So uh, we're a private indoor shooting facility. We're located uh, right along the I-25 corridor at the Highway 119, uh, the main Longmont exit. So we have indoor 25-yard and indoor 100-yard decks on either side of our building. So we have 11 total lanes that go to 25 yards and seven total lanes that go to 100 yards. Everything's air temperature, filtration, air controlled. It's awesome. It's a very, very nice facility. Everything is custom built for us. And the uh, uh, beauty of having a private membership range is our members can get a lane really whenever they want one. So it's a great recipe. It works pretty well. So, Well, we do. We make a reservation because my schedule gets so crazy. And I know I can get a lane at a certain time. It's reserved. I come in there. I got controlled conditions. I don't have to worry about the weather. 
I'll tell you another thing that being a member there, you guys have a great rental fleet. And over the last two, three years, I went through some hand surgery and I had a particular model of firearm that I really loved, but it was extremely hard to rack. And I had some difficulty with that. So you had some stuff in your rental fleets and I tried some different guns. We found one that was much easier to rack. And I, mm -hmm. I, I've got that gun from you and I used it for a couple of years. But then when my hand got strong again from the surgery, I realized I didn't like shooting that gun as well. And you and I sat down and talked. You told me about a new firearm that was very similar to the one I used to shoot, only they'd made some improvements in the trigger and in the racking. And I just fell in love with it. But I did because I got to shoot it out of your rental fleet and try it out. And that was something that really paid off for me. I just, I've got that gun now. I've shot it a few times. And I'm really pleased with it. But the process I could use at trigger time really made that decision so much easier. And the service I got was just fantastic, Nate. Well, thanks, Terry. And that's exactly what we're going for. You know, a lot of us didn't have the luxury of being able to try different things before we actually purchased them as we started in the sport. So it's something we all realized and we try to offer that as a first, you know, the knowledge base of the uh, employees that work here. But secondly, just having the different fleet of rentals for people to try out and figure out, Hey, which one is going to fit you the best. And it's a great way to go through that. And if you just want to go, you know, rent a new car and not feel pressured to buy it, you can always just come try a cool new gun, so to speak. So we love doing that as well. And your retail division or se section is open to the general public. You don't have to be a member to shop there. But before we run out of time, let's talk about yeah. precision shooting, precision rifles. Um, you guys have always specialized in this, and you have a long-range facility you use. We'll talk about that, but let's start. What is a precision rifle? So it's basically uh, an extension of what a lot of us have heard of, you know, a uh, a bolt action style rifle would be the most prevalent uh, platform that we use. What we do is we take what would have been a standard, let's just call it a standard hunting gun. We improve the chassis, the stock, we improve the trigger. We use a much uh, more accurate, much more rigid barrel. So a heavier barrel profile. It all lends to more accuracy, less felt recoil. So you can take a standard cartridge that you're used to and, uh, and stretch its legs much further probably than you ever imagined. It's something that we all enjoy. It, it adds the, technique side of the shooting sports but then it's a very cerebral part you spend a lot of time and energy to hopefully make one precision shot at a great distance at a small steel target and hopefully hit that and it's just one of the coolest most gratifying versions of the sport that we've ever been part of now you actually custom build precision rifles there you have one person patrick who i know very well has helped me with some other things who pretty much just builds precision rifles doesn't he Correct, as I call him, Dr. Jones. He's amazing. Uh, yeah, he builds uh, some wonderful precision bolt-action rifles. So the cool thing with that is we can start from scratch completely, pick what barrel and action and chassis and trigger people want. Some people are at that level where they want to pick every piece. Or we could take, uh, let's say I have my Remington 700 or a Kika or maybe a Bergara or any number of other rifles, and uh, he can just rebarrel them for you and change your caliber or just make it more accurate the way it is. So there, there are several different avenues we can go down to accomplish that. And before we get down to your facility and some of the distances mm -hmm. you shoot at, if you wanted to get started in this, you don't have to have a custom rifle. There are some off-the-shelf options, right? Excellent lead in, Terry. Absolutely, buddy. So uh, the custom thing is super fun, obviously. But for a lot of us, let's say we we dabble in various styles of shooting. You know, myself, I like pistols. I like carbines. I like 
uh, pistol caliber carbines. I like shooting shotguns too at Colorado Clays as well. So um, for me, it's it's great to be able to buy an off-the-shelf gun that maybe doesn't cost as much as the full custom. And we're in a cool world today because some of the highest quality out-of-the-box rifles we've ever seen, also, frankly, for the least money that we've ever seen, will still uh, be completely capable of shooting out to a mile accurately with the proper ammo and the proper technique and optics. So it's extremely right. versatile. Now, you just said up to a mile. I can't even yeah. see across the room. So that's why right. Karen out shoots me every time we get there. But um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what are some of the, where do you do this at and what are some of the common distances? Well, so it, it can start, uh, the skill set can actually start at 50 and 100 yards. So a lot of us use rim fires as a training tool and we can get into that another day, but there's a, a lot of math and detail with that where it's actually almost an identical scaled down model. So we start with rim fires at 50 and 100 yards and that extrapolates to shooting certain cartridges out to 400 yards. So basically you can start with the rim fire initially, uh, which is a great way to start. We have that in our rental fleet as well, so people can try it. Um, but uh, when we go out to the ranch, as we call it, it's a private facility that our owner leases. So that's where we do special events and special training uh, for precision rifle particularly. So um, we'll basically start at roughly 200 yards, get a good 100 yard zero, and then just stretch its legs out from there. So it really depends on the cartridge at that point. But and, and, and I want to get people up to a thousand yards their first day. I know you you guys have been a partner of mine for gosh almost since you opened, so it must be like thirteen yep. years. And yes, uh, right. we would talk, and you would talk about shooting at a thousand feet. You know, this is for a Minnesota deer hunter that hunted without a scope, right? With a third right. lever action thirty thirty, and fifty yards was a long shot. And you talk Certainly. about a thousand yards, but then you talk out to a mile. But mm -hmm. in order in order to know if you hit that, you all really have to depend on sound, don't you? You you make the shot and then you listen for the sound. Is that right? Well, truth be told, a lot of the times you can't hear the sound out there, Terry, because of the wind. So what we'll actually do on our 1,500 yard and our, our 1,700 plus yard targets, we actually have LED indicators. So you'll see a, a bright LED flashing to indicate a hit. That's one of the most reliable ways to see it because at that distance, you can't always hear the actual impact. Up to 1,000 yards, it's no problem at all. You can hear that very very easily but yeah. now so visual cues help. As, as far as um when you put a precision rifle together obviously you're yeah. using optics you're not shooting in yeah. open sight at a thousand yards in hunting and i did actually all kidding aside i have owned 308 and 30-06s scoped up for big game i've hunted all over okay. north america um nice. what um a lot of times in hunting, the optics were almost more important than the gun. Is that true in precision shooting, or is it a little different because of the quality of the firearm? Um, honestly, I would say it's actually more important with optics. So I wouldn't hesitate to have somebody start just arbitrarily with a $700 gun and a $2,000 scope if they could put that in their budget. It makes much more sense to spend as much money as possible on your quality optic if you can. Um, the optic is one of the biggest limiting factors. Like you mentioned, eyesight, it's a, it's a degrading issue for all of us humans. It doesn't get any better with age, you know? And so the beauty of having good glasses, it's not necessarily the, how many magnifications you have in your glass, but the resolution. So the actual clarity of the glass is a huge part of that. Um, but again, like I mentioned with the out of the box rifles, we're also in a world today where as consumers, we have access to better optics for less money than we've ever seen. So there are optics that can do part of that game for 400 bucks for 800 bucks and then for 2000 bucks and well beyond that as well. So we can try to find things that fit a lot of people's budgets, which is really cool. So it's not such an exclusive club to get into precision rifle anymore.
And Nate, we are out of time. There's more things we wanted to cover. We're going to have to get you back on another time. But right now, I would say pe- people are free to stop by, right? And they can check out your retail and talk to you guys, check out the facility. Yep. Tell them how they find you. You can find us on the website. Our website is www.triggertimegunclub.com. Um, our location is 3575 Stagecoach Road. That's Longmont, Colorado, 80504. And like I said earlier, it is right off the I-25 corridor at Highway 119, just two lights west. So very All right, my friend. We're here. So. All right. I, I need to get there and do some more shooting with that new gun. I'm loving it. So anyway, Absolutely. I'll let you go. All right. Thanks, thanks Nate. for your time, Terry. Sure appreciate you, man. You bet. Thank you. That's Nate Freeman. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're talking about partners and how long Trigger Time has been a partner. We're very proud of one of our other partners and some of the way they're involved in the community. And we're going to tell you about that after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Just an old guitar player in a one-night called life. When I die, there'll be another one to make the music right. Music lives forever. You're listening to Terry Wisdom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. That little intro piece was playing was off... uh, our newest single that we released, we have an EP out there. That's Wickstrom and Dobrith. Uh, search Wickstrom and Dobrith on social media or your favorite streaming service and let us know what you think of our music. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from one of our longtime running partners and one of our favorite people, Randy Dashler from Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Longmont. Good morning, Randy. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I uh, I made a little comment at the end of the last segment. I don't think you were on the line yet. And I said, we've got some very long-running partners who have been with us for a long time. And we're very proud of our partners, especially you guys, the way you you treat people, the way you make everybody that comes in, whether they heard it here or somewhere else, the way you've treated everybody we've talked to over the years. We're really proud to be a spokesman for your dealership. Uh, and then there's uh, the community involvement you have, Randy. You guys, you're part of a large rodeo. You sponsor that. I look at the wall when I'm in there maybe getting an oil change, and there's plaques from youth groups. I think 4-H. There's, there's plaques from youth sports. You guys really do get involved in the community, and you become uh, a family community, part of the, the local family of people. One of the things I thought might be of special interest to our listeners is you also get involved in keeping the outdoors in a thing called the the river cleanup. Tell me about that. Yeah, Terry, thanks thanks for asking. Yeah, so uh, we've uh, partnered with a local nonprofit that's called uh, Protect Our Rivers, and what they do is it's a, a series of river cleanups kind of throughout northern uh, Colorado. We uh, kind of kicked off the partnership uh, on March 22nd. Uh, where we sponsored an event, we cleaned up the St. Brain Creek in, uh, out, out here just kind of inside Longmont. And we actually had, uh, from our dealer group, we had 40 people that showed up, and they were actually able to pull out uh, just under 600 pounds of trash during that cleanup. And that that's just tremendous, uh, Randy. And then you've got, you're involved as a sponsor also with, I think there's a South Platte one coming up April 29th, and... I think that 
uh, for the people who are out there listening to this, who who really uh, enjoy the outdoors, I mean, walking along these rivers and seeing trash and things really takes away from the experience. And for you guys to just get out and do this, to be part of the community, I think it, it just speaks to the quality of your business, Randy. Well, we appreciate that. And like you, unlike you mentioned, Terry, we have uh, an event coming up on April 29th for the South, South Platte River cleanup. Um, you can, anybody can participate with that, you know, as far as on land, or you can get your kayak or canoe and actually get in the water and help clean up. And then they'll be, uh, having an event, uh, after that at Odell Brewing, uh, after that. So anybody that would love to participate in that, we'd love to invite you out there, um, to come help and, uh, meet some of the, the staff and, uh, see what we can do to keep these rivers nice and clean. Um, and is there a place to get, can they get information like on your Facebook page or? Uh, so probably the best thing for that would be um, it's actually at protectourrivers.org is the best way to get um, information there. And we also have some events. Uh, we're doing the Big Thompson River on June 14th, uh, the Poudre River on August 5th, and then one uh, outside of Kremling on September 29th. So we got four different events kind of that are in the uh, in the works now, but that protectourrivers.org uh, can get you, you know, any information. And, uh, you know, I guess that we have uh, had, had a big group that turned out during the last one. So anybody like to come down there and uh, join us, we sure love to encourage that. Well, that's awesome that you guys are so involved. And that makes it awesome for us to represent you too, Randy. And while I got you on the phone, we got about two minutes left. You got some hot deals down at the dealership? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, for, for us and, and our product, um, you know, one big thing that we're really starting to uh, promote is uh, our hybrid uh, electric uh, Jeep Wrangler and Jeep Grand Cherokees. Uh, these vehicles do still carry a, a federal tax credit that, that's available, uh, provide, you know, obviously uh, electric and gas options both. So, works great for people that want to commute, but still want to have the versatility of having that gas engine. So our, our new EV lineup is something that we're really excited about and happy to offer uh, a lot of our clients that have never had that opportunity along uh, our product line uh, before. And uh, we have our Ram 1500 and Ram heavy duties as well too, that a lot of clients probably listening that do some towing or hauling, uh, you know, probably appreciate that. And we're, kind of getting to that point where we're starting to get some inventory now so there are some deals to be had out there where previous there was really no discounts or factory incentives there is some things we can offer now to to clients as far as uh incentives and deals you know to, to get some uh cars out there so whatever we can do to help assist anybody we'd love to, to chat with you and see what we could do to help what's the easiest way for people who haven't been there to find you the website or how do that? What's the yeah, best yeah, way? Probably the website would be the easiest thing. Kind of start, uh, look at the inventory tells you a little bit about the dealership. Like you mentioned earlier, we're one of the few locally owned uh, dealer groups left in Colorado. Uh, almost everybody, the other stores have been purchased by outside bigger corporations that, you know, don't, you know, house their headquarters in Colorado. So I think anybody that uh, really, uh, loves local business would appreciate shopping you know from us or one of our other stores and uh, we are very active and like you said lo lots of things along the community we really want to uh, promote our name in Colorado so yeah they can just go to uh, prestigechryslerdodge.com uh, to kind of start the process and then on there you can 
talk about sales or service or parts or any questions that you have, we should be happy to assist anybody um, in whatever way that we can. All right. We are out of time, Randy, but thank you so much for what you do for the community and being such a great partner to this show and helping the people in the outdoors. We'll appreciate your partnership too, Terry, and taking the time today, and we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you soon. All right. Thanks, Randy. I know you got a youth sport thing to get to. I'll let you get running. All right. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate you. You bet. That's Randy. He's the general manager at Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Longmont. Just good people, folks. Really, you know, people are going to sell you a car if you go to a car dealer, but they're going to do it the right way. We're going to take a time out. And speaking of the right way, I'll bet you that Nate Zielinski is going to tell us the right way to catch walleyes on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.